Sean Finnegan, and you are listening to Restitutio, a podcast that seeks to recover authentic Christianity and live it out today. Have you ever heard of Bethany Christian Services? They're a large adoption agency in the U.S. and internationally working hard to find good homes for babies. In this interview, I visit my local branch in Latham, New York, and speak with adoption specialist Renee Rogowski about how adoptions work. I am so impressed by the work she does and how Bethany provides an alternative to abortion in our country. In fact, Christian couples, would you believe this, have signed up all throughout the U.S. to adopt children born with drug addictions, disabilities, birth defects, and even babies who who won't live beyond a year. Although you don't hear much about this in the news, so many of our brothers and sisters are out there self-sacrificially putting into practice the teachings of Jesus by loving and investing in these vulnerable children. Here now is Podcast 314, Adopting with Bethany Christian Services with Renee Rogowski. Well, welcome, Renee, to Restitutio. I'm so glad to chat with you today. I thought maybe we could begin by hearing a little bit about yourself and your background. Uh, did you grow up in a Christian home, or is this something you came to later in life? Uh, nope. I graduated from college. I went to Russell Sage, and I've always gone to Catholic schools. I grew up in a Catholic home, still Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father studied to be a priest, actually, before he met my mom. Um, so Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> otherwise, I would not exist, yes. Um, but, you know, we were very involved. I was a lecturer. My mother plays the organ, and my brothers are both altar boys. Um, but I was right out of college. I worked for the Minority and Women's Business Division for the governor's office just as a temp. And someone there had adopted through Family Tree, which was another agency. And then I started working for Family Tree for probably 17 years. And then I, we kind of merged with Bethany and closed, and we all the staff went to Bethany. And I've been with Bethany for about 11 years. So, no, I started out pretty early, and I've been in adoption and foster care for about 26 years. What did you study at Russell Sage? Psychology. And then before that, I got a business degree. So I use a little business information in my world, and I use psychology, too. So Now, why this helpful. issue? Why, why is this what you care about? I think I'm kind of a protective person, and I definitely want kids to be in healthy, happy, safe homes. So it's important to me that kids are safe and that kids find family because you really grow in a family and you really can thrive in a family. But foster care is not a fun place to be for kids for long periods of time. Okay. But you you weren't adopted yourself. Nope. I was not adopted myself. Hmm. But I've always been drawn to adoption and interested in adoption and did research and papers and... So it just kind of fell into my lap as, hey, there's this opening and this job opportunity, and do you want it? And then from there, we kind of added and grew. We did domestic at first, and then we kind of added Russia, and we added Kazakhstan, we added Ukraine. We started a China program. So we really kind of started from the ground up. And then Bethany has been around since about 1944. Um, They just always haven't been in Albany area. So they're in a lot of different states. All right, so let's talk about Bethany, and uh, what, what would you say Bethany is all about? I would say family, creating families, keeping children in families. They've been around since 1944. It all started with two women in Michigan just taking in a couple of orphans. And then from there, it grew and grew and grew and went to different states. So now we're in about 35 states. We have international programs. We have foster care programs. 
We help migrant children that are here with no family members. Um, but we're a very large adoption agency. We're probably one of the largest adoption agencies in the country. Yeah. How would you say Bethany is different than maybe other agencies that are out there? Um, I would say we're Christian-based. We have a lot of values. We pray before all of our meetings. We pray at the end of all of our meetings. We definitely try to be child-focused. You know, it doesn't always make everybody happy to be child-focused, but that has to be our number one focus in everything that we do. Um, We have a lot of good people that work for Bethany and that work really hard around the clock and you know, it's, it's a really nice organization, and it's a Christian organization. Very good. So how did you end up in Latham working for Bethany? I mean, you... Mm, well, we were, we've been here in Clifton Park for a long time as the other agency, and we all kind of work here, and they didn't really have a location in upstate New York. So it was kind of a burden for their New York City people to drive all the way up here and serve this whole population. So they were happy to kind of have an office in Albany, and to serve like up to Plattsburgh, over to Syracuse, down to Orange County. This was kind of an empty region for them. Um, so we kind of filled a, a resource that they needed. So what happened there with that other agency? Why did they close? Um, just became very complicated and expensive for a lot of small agencies to survive. We were a small agency with a small staff. Um, and international changed a lot where you needed to have like millions of dollars of bonds and insurance. And so a lot of small agencies really couldn't afford to do international anymore when you only have a tiny little staff. So there were a lot of changes with the Hague to international adoption. Wow. Man, it's it's like a whole nother world. (laughs) There's a lot of regulations and there's a lot, there's a lot that goes on. I would say in a typical international adoption, maybe 40 different people will touch your adoption. And that includes immigration officials, that includes dossiers, notaries, doctors, wow. lawyers, drivers, translators. There's a lot of people involved just to get one baby from China to America or from Colombia to America. It's it's a very complicated process. So you need people on the ground internationally and you need people here. And it's probably very expensive as well, right? It is fairly expensive because of the travel. You have adoption fees plus you have travel fees too. So it's kind of like a vacation for two weeks in a foreign country or three or four weeks on top of normal adoption expenses, too. So hotel and meals and drivers and food. and. Wow. So like, what's the ballpark for that? I would say a lot of international adoptions are anywhere from twenty to $35,000. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that is a lot. It is. And then uh, what about domestic adoption? Is that um, likewise pretty expensive? I would say our typical domestic adoption fees are about $30,000. Also. So why, why are they so expensive? <laughs> there's no uh, uh, hotels and drivers. And- right. There's no hotels and drivers, but it is a very intense program. And we're not saying goodbye to our birth moms after the first couple months or year. I'm still talking to birth moms and I'm still in the middle of visits and pictures and letters and gifts going by and ongoing counseling. So it's not a one time and you're done relationship. I'm still involved in these relationships sometimes for 18 years. So a lot of these people have contracts and it's called a PACA agreement. So it's a post-adoption contact agreement that mandates visits and pictures and letters long-term. But a lot of people are comfortable if Bethany is in the middle of that and not just them Mm -hmm. doing it directly. Well, could you share a couple of success stories about what you've seen in your years here at Bethany and then at the the place before either one. Sure. Uh, what have you seen? 
Well, Bethany's story is we place a sibling group of three from the West Coast. That was a really um, important and complicated placement. These kids really wanted to stay together because ultimately they didn't really have a mom and a dad that were in their lives. Their grandparents were kind of struggling, so they really needed to stay together as a family. Um, But that was, it's complicated. The family that took them had no children, so they went from zero to three instantaneously. And they needed a lot of support afterwards and post-placement. The kids are pretty traumatized. They have PTSD from their experiences in foster care and their bio home. But they're doing great. They have A's, they're on soccer teams, they have birthday parties. So a lot of things are new to them, like having a pizza party or joining a team. Those are all brand new things for them. And they're really thriving in a family unit, and they're really loving their new life. So where do they move to? They move to New Jersey. So from California to New Jersey? Uh, Nope, they're actually from... Oregon. Oh, from Oregon to New Jersey. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's a big culture shock too, you know, the West Coast culture versus the East Coast culture. So they were definitely missing home for a while, but um, they adjusted and they're all doing well. Yeah. Yeah. That's really a tough thing to get siblings to stay together, right? It's hard to find homes that have enough room for three kids or four kids. Yeah. The bedroom issue and it's, do I have the time? Do I have the, the right car? Do I have to go buy a minivan? You know, so, yeah, it's challenging to find homes for large sibling groups. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, what else? Do you have another? Uh, yep, we did have um, a little boy that was Down syndrome um, with a heart defect that needed surgery. And I had to call a lot, a lot of different places, but we have a lot of branches, and we did find a home for him. So I really take pleasure in finding homes for special needs kids, kids that have cleft lip, cleft palate, kids that have a missing limb. Um, You really have to have a dedicated family that's willing to go to multiple doctor's appointments and maybe multiple surgeries. That's not for everybody, but there are some really special people who have adopted our our kids like that. Right. So these these would be the kinds of kids that are most at risk for abortion. Possibly, yes. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I'm... I'm not really asking that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm speaking more from experience. I mean, I, my wife and I have four kids, all boys, bless our hearts. And, (laughs) and, uh, every pregnancy, they, they want to do all these tests, Mm -hmm. all these tests. And, you know, some, some of these tests are for the mother, some are for the baby. And I remember our first time going through it, they're like, oh, we want to, we want to do this test for, to see how the baby's doing or what what's going on with the baby. And I'm like, okay, so let's say the test comes back positive. What do you do then? They right. say, oh, then we do another test. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's more invasive where, you know, I think maybe one was testing the amniotic fluid and the other one was um, taking some blood from the baby in utero. Wow. And... And I said, okay, let's say that comes back positive. What do you do then? And then they're, and then they basically, I don't remember how many times I went through it, but at the end, essentially they said, we give the option to terminate. And I'm like, okay. So my wife and I are not interested in terminating. Right. Uh, you know, if the baby's disabled, we don't want to kill the baby for that. You know, we, we want to show extra compassion and love. If somebody's in need... Mm-hmm. That doesn't make them disposable. And I know that this has got to be standard protocol because with mm-hmm. every one of our four kids, which we had in four different locations, four different hospitals, wow. I've hit the whole capital region, Albany, Schenectady, Saratoga. 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, one we had in Rhode Island. So. Okay. So you got a sampling <laughs> so got a good, of good what sampling, it's like. Yeah. Okay. And, and they, they're always asking these questions, which makes me think that, you know, if that test comes back, oh, your baby has Down syndrome or, oh, your baby has this or has that, then that really does put the kid at risk for an abortion. Whereas what, what I understand about Bethany is that this agency is, is saying to, to parents... Whatever condition your kid is in at birth, we will take that child. Yes. We will find a way to place that child in a loving Mm -hmm. Christian home. Definitely. Yes. We have families that only adopt Down syndrome children. They love them. They find them funny and happy and smiling and a pleasure. And they have specialists lined up and they only adopt Down syndrome children. And when you search all over the country and you're making all these phone calls, you realize there's groups of people that only want a deaf child. They only want a blind child. That's their specialty. That's their niche. That's where they're comfortable. Maybe dad is deaf and he's fluent in American Sign Language. Maybe mom is blind and she has everything the child would ever need and every specialist lined up. So that comfort level is important. But And even a child who needs hospice care and who is dying, we have still found homes for children that aren't going to make it for the first year of life. So there are some wonderful people that we've come across. Yeah, what I find so amazing about this organization and this sort of like Christian practice is that it's so unknown. You know, mm-hmm. you don't, I mean, in, in the in the debates that, you know, in politics and all the chaos of our social issues that people get into, you just don't, you don't hear about this heroic Christian position. Oh, well, we'll, we'll take the baby. Yeah. There's another option out there. Yeah. 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 It's not even mentioned. Yeah. You know? Well, Bethany is also very well known in Michigan and the Midwest because they've been there for so many decades. They're not as well known, honestly, in New York, maybe, as they are in the Midwest. So pretty much anyone who lives in Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, they've heard of Bethany their whole lives because they have such a presence there. Oh, okay. And there's maybe 17 offices just in Michigan. So they're very well known in other parts of the country, but I think a little less known, unfortunately, in New York. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just speaking as an upstate New Yorker. Yeah, sure. All right. Do you have another story you'd like to share or should we move on? I did have a family that adopted from China about three times and they're doing great. Like they have one child that has a missing arm, limb. Um, And we talked a lot about how is that going to look and how's how's that going to go in school and the bullying. And unfortunately, she's been home now for a couple of years and she's now experiencing some of the bullying because the kids aren't little anymore. They're not in kindergarten anymore. And they are getting a little more mean. So that's becoming issues too. Like how do we help people through adoption and complicated issues down the road? It's not just thinking about getting the baby home or getting the child out of foster care. It's not about that one event and that one day. It's about the long term. And let's think about transracial adoption. Let's think about medical issues and how are you going to plan out your life so that this child is well supported and your community is welcoming. So it's a bigger issue than just that one day of being adopted. Yeah, you you mentioned this a couple times. I mean, I'm struggling to really understand or grasp the extent of this. So you don't really look at yourself as just an adoption specialist. No. It's almost like you look at yourself as a, a child nurturer or consultant maybe for, yes. for the for the long haul for the 18 years <laughs> yes for the long haul <laughs> and, 
It just seems like yeah. such a huge thing. It is. I get a lot of phone calls at 10 o'clock at night on weekends. You know, kids go into crisis at all different times and babies are born at all different times. So it's not a nine to five kind of a job. You know, kids have problems, kids have issues, parents get upset and they don't know what to do and they have my direct cell phone and they call me and they've been adopted for years, but they still keep in touch and they call or they'll ask, do you know of a good support group? Do you know of a good therapist? My child is struggling. My child is getting bullied. Bethany's never going to hang up the phone and say, I can't talk to you anymore because you're technically not my client anymore. That's not the way that we do things at all. I want to make sure these kids are doing good for a long, long time. And that's complicated. You need to know what the resources are in your community and what's available and who can help them and who's the best at what they do. So we have people that go to Shriners Hospital. We have people that go to the Lions Club. We have people that find a specialist that they love and they want to tell me about it because they want to help the other families. Um, And so that feedback is important. I need to know, like, who's working good for you in the community so that I can refer other people to that professional. So that's an important connection for me to, to keep up. Yeah, I, I've been to Shriners. It's it's an incredible institution, mm-hmm. and everything's free there. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's just how does this it's exist? It's amazing. Yes, I mean, especially in healthcare. I mean, yes. you can't get a Tylenol for under a hundred bucks. <laughs> yes, <you know>? exactly. <laughs> so I did have a like a little girl and a little boy that they would just send their favorite shoes. They would buy a new pair of shoes. They would mail them to Shriners, and Shriners would mail them back adjusted to their limb differences or whatever they needed adjusted which is an amazing thing for kids to have. Yeah, very good. I mean, how many adoptions at, at this office do you work with, you know, new adoptions per year? Do you have a stat on that? Um, every year is very different. Okay. So some years it's 10, some years it's five, um, but I'm not the only, you know, Bethany office. So we also have New Jersey, we have um, Connecticut, but New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut work very closely together. Okay. So I'm also helping them with their adoptions too. So sometimes I'm in Connecticut and sometimes I'm in New Jersey. Sometimes I'm in the Adirondacks. Sometimes I'm in Syracuse. So it's, it's a little complicated to answer that question. Yeah. Well, walk me through the process a little bit. Let's say you get a call from a mother who mm-hmm. has a daughter that's, a, that's, that's pregnant and mm-hmm. she's getting in touch with you and she's like, I need you to meet with my daughter. She's in crisis. She isn't sure about abortion or adoption mm-hmm. or keeping the baby. Walk me through, like, what happens next? I mean, you, you talked yeah. to her on the phone, and then what? Well, so that happened this week where, <laughs> <Very good. laughs> where I had a birth mom with a two-week-old baby, and I had about 20 minutes to get all my paperwork together and some profile books and run out the door. And I just went to her house, and I met with her and a couple caseworkers, her aunt, her mom, and they're kind of in crisis, not knowing what to do. And so we fill out some paperwork. I get some background information. I have to get some health information. I have to find out what does the birth father feel about this situation? Is he around? Is he involved? Is he cooperative? Is he not? Um, And then after that, we kind of look at profile books of different families and say, you know, get a feel for what are you looking for? Are you looking for a childless couple? Are you looking for someone with a big family? You know, I don't know what you want. You know, so kind of give me a feel for the type of family you're looking for for your child. So you're saying that the the parents of the child that's being adopted get to get to pick what kind of family. Yes. Wow. They look at photo books. Huh. There's some photo books over there. Huh. But let me grab one. Okay. Yeah, sure. So every family creates a Shutterfly book, and they have pictures and like a 
Dear birth mom letter, a general letter like, hey, this is what we do for a living. We'd love to meet you. We're looking to adopt a baby. These are what we like to do. We like skiing or fishing or hiking. And a lot of times people get picked because they're similar to the birth family. Like, oh, yeah, my family loves to hike the Adirondacks or my family loves to go boating or fishing. Um, They have pictures of their garden. They have pictures of their wedding. I usually say, you know, put some extended family in there so they know there's going to be aunts and uncles and a supportive family unit and a grandma and a grandpa. This is like, uh, it's almost like a dating website yeah, It's process. a matching. I'm a matcher. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow, I didn't even think of uh, that component of it. Right. So you have however many different people looking to adopt mm-hmm. and they have these these little books and, and just for the listeners uh, what i have here is a hardcover color shutterfly book shutterfly book yeah. uh where we've got lots of pictures and captions and really gives you a, a flavor for the couple that's looking to adopt so about how many of these do you do you have well between new york new jersey connecticut we have about 50 okay that's so they That's have a, lot a sizable of number. It's a yeah. sizable number. And, and would you say that most people, they really want to have their child to stay somewhat local? Or is that not really a concern? Um, it depends on the visits. People are pretty good at driving now and visiting. So I think they just want to find the right family and a good family. Okay. That's yeah. their number one. And somebody, they might have a religion request, and I need to respect that. Mm-hmm. So if they say, I only want a Methodist family or I only want a Catholic family, I need by law to respect that. So there's some matching that's going on as with her requests. Um, she may want a childless couple to make an impact and to make a difference. And she may want, she may have, had, have grown up with an amazing big brother or a big sister. And she may want that for her child too, a big brother or a big sister. So it really depends on each individual birth mom of what is important to them and what they're looking for. And I let them have control over where their baby's going. It's their baby. I imagine that next they fill out some sort of application Yep, they have to fill out some background form. It's about a 19-page form with all kinds of genetic illnesses so that I can hand that off to the adoptive parents and the baby will have it and the doctors will have it. So let's say colorblindness runs in the family. That's a good thing to know. Or if a certain type of cancer runs in the family, that's also a really good, important thing to know. Um, So we ask a lot of questions, yes. And they may know the answer to these questions or they may not. If they're adopted themselves, they may not know. Do you find that happens a lot, that adopted people adopt other kids i do see that sometimes yep i do see that not all the time but i do see it but i have a lot of families with infertility people have doing being ivf for maybe eight years nine years ten years it's very sad to really desperately want a baby and spend thousands and thousands of dollars on infertility and not be successful and so people are you know fragile and they're anxious and they really want to start their family yeah So then what's the next step in the process for somebody? They they can meet the families in person. After okay. they're looking at these photo books, they, I usually say pick two or three that you like, and we'll set up an in-person meeting usually here in this office, and they can meet the families in person and ask questions and kind of interview the adoptive parents. <laughs> it's, and, it's just like a, <laughs> a dating yeah. process. Wow. Mm-hmm. But this is a long-term relationship over 18 years. So who they like on paper may not be who they connect with in uh, person. Yeah. If someone's kind of cold to them or if someone's not warm enough or they just answer the questions in kind of their wrong way, what they consider wrong, then they may not get selected that day. So they do want to feel like there's some kind of good vibes and connections before they place a child with them. As a pastor, I work with people a lot, obviously. And uh, I mean, these, these scenarios seem like they... 
they might present some serious difficulties from time to time. Yeah, definitely. People get emotional. and I have a lot um, of birth moms that cry in these meetings because um, it makes it more real that they're pregnant, but this baby is not going to be in their home. So it makes it a little more real when you're meeting people in person to say, oh, this family is going to raise my baby and I'm not going to be raising my baby. It makes it more of a reality check for sure. Yeah. And they may not wind up doing adoption because this is more of like kind of in your face this is what the reality is. These people will be taking your child and raising this child as their own. Do you have people bail at that point? Yeah, some people do bail at that point, and that's okay. I never make any promises to my adopted parents or my birth parents that you have to do anything. There's no legal binding agreement that you can sign while you're pregnant. This is wow. all something that is an option. It's a backup plan, but it's not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. And then having the baby is stressful too. At the hospital, you're seeing your child for the first time. It's very sad. It's very serious. This is a permanent legal decision that you're making. Your hormones are raging. So it's not an easy time to make this lifelong choice for your child. And it's sad. There's a lot of grief. Are are the adoptive parents usually there at the hospital? Sometimes. That's totally up to the birth mom. She can have them wait at home. She can have them in the delivery room. She can have them in the waiting room. That totally is, I leave that up to the birth mom to decide. Every personality is different. Some birth moms are really shy and some birth moms are more outgoing. Like every personality wants something a little different. So I just had an adopted mom go into the C-section with the birth mom. She invited the adopted mom in and you can only have one person. But she said, you know, this is a really important day and I want you to experience this. This is your child being born, really, that you're going to raise and I don't want you to miss it. She was very kind and very generous. Are most of them open adoptions or do you have closed ones too? We have both. But I would say most of them have openness. Most of them involve visits long-term for 18 years. Right. And, and that's pictures where you, and definitely letters. you come in because yeah. you're the... Kind me- of the mediator. mediator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Sometimes now they're more comfortable if they have a good relationship and they get along really well. They'll just exchange phone numbers and cell phone numbers and they can arrange their own visits. But a lot of times if it involves my office or they want me to help them, then I'm involved. Okay. Very yeah. good. Uh, let's go back to the the person who is in crisis and they're trying to decide between abortion, adoption, and keeping the child. Do you are you authorized to speak into that situation? Is there some sort of like legal issue there, or are you free to speak your mind, or w- yeah, what? What I can guess, you do there? I can speak my mind certainly, but I think I definitely lean towards life. And hey, there's all these people out here who would love to adopt your baby. I want you to think really carefully about your decision because you might have some serious regrets long term. So think really carefully about abortion because it may seem like an easy choice and an easy decision. But honestly, I have girls that tell me all the time that they're haunted by it and that they wish they didn't do it or they're still thinking about it long, long term, many, many years later. So I can certainly feel free to talk on it, but I'm not an expert on abortion. That's not my department, really. I'm no expert on that. Right. But you are the alternative. I am the alternative. I'm the backup plan. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And parenting, too. Like, my job is also to say, hey, if you want a parent, I'll connect you with Birthright or the Alight Center, people who can help you with diapers and food and formula and baby clothes for free. You might have to attend classes and parenting classes, but there are pregnancy crisis centers in our area, and I will find one in your area to help you if that's what you want to do if you want a parent. There are people that can help you. And I have to talk a little bit. I have to be a little knowledgeable about WIC and Medicaid and services you know, that they might qualify for too and help them yeah, walk it's through complicated. those Yeah, it's complicated. It is. It's complicated, yeah. Mm. And it's a lot of paperwork. You have to have a birth certificate 
first of all. Sometimes they don't even have identification. But that's one of the number one things when you're applying for any kind of assistance is you need identification. So I've ordered birth certificates for girls before and brought them to DSS and sat in the waiting room with them. But it's important. Like that's money and help that they really desperately need and their kids really need. And sometimes they just don't know how to do it. It seems too complicated. Oh, yeah. And they they give up. (laughs) I totally get that. I mean, that sort of thing is, it is complicated, Mm -hmm. especially if you haven't had any experience with the government. Yeah. And with these kinds of forms, and maybe you don't even know about what's available, Mm -hmm. then navigating it is, you know, it really takes an education to even know where to go, what to do, and just to get into that that whole world. And you could provide that for them. Yes, you know, I can you're walk like, them through that. And I have yeah. the forms in my office a lot of the times too. <laughs> okay. Even easier. <laughs> yeah. But it's hard and it's complicated. And sometimes if you check the wrong box or you say the wrong thing, you get denied. And then you have to appeal or you have to fix your forms. And you don't know that you're filling things out in the wrong way because there's not a lot of guidance. Right. Um, so people just do the best they can. But sometimes they get into complicated mixes with Medicaid or Medicare or SSI because they don't know any better. And they're filling things out the wrong way, which is hurting them for months at a time with no income. And they just get cut off or they get suspended or they miss an appointment because they don't have a car. Transportation is a huge issue for a lot of people in the community. Well, especially in this area where the, the bus system is Crazy. sparse. Yeah. And we don't have a subway. And There's no subway. No. And the, the bus system's pretty... Yeah. And you have to be able to minimal. afford a car, afford gas, afford insurance. So it's, it's challenging to get to doctor's appointments. It's mm-hmm. challenging to wrap up all your kids in the winter, put them in some kind of stroller, get on a bus and go to Medicaid and keep all of your appointments no matter what because they will cut you off. If you miss an appointment, you're done. Like they're happy to stop services. So Hmm. it's hard. It's not easy to be a single mom. It's not easy to have little children and no car, no transportation. It's very challenging. Do you find that uh, a lot of the folks you you deal with are lower income? Some are and some are not. Yeah. Yeah. Some are living in really big houses with a nice, big, supportive family, but they're just not ready to be a mother. Mm-hmm. They might be in the middle of college or they might be in the middle of a new career. They're just not ready. So it's not all lower income. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. And are they usually younger ladies or do you also deal with women in their 30s sometimes too? Yeah. Or I've had 40-year-old birth mothers. I've had 30 birth moms. I've had 20-year-old birth moms. I've had 14-year-old birth moms. Mm-hmm. So it totally ranges Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Because yeah. I, I imagine that those are very different scenarios. <laughs> yes. Dealing with a 40-year-old mature woman is very different than dealing with a 14-year-old who won't talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, let's uh, let's talk about your current needs. Uh, what can people do to help as far as you locally mm-hmm. here and then Bethany at large? Because there are people that will listen to this in lots of other places too. So. Okay. Um, Spreading the word that Bethany exists is a really big help. You know, not everybody knows what we do or that we're local in Albany. Not everybody knows what states we're in. But honestly, financial help is probably the number one helper. Yeah. Like I said before, I needed diapers and your church was kind enough to drop off diapers for one specific client that we need. Um, But my needs are always changing. But I would say financial is probably the best way to help us. And what what does that money go towards? I mean, if you're charging in a sense 30 grand Mm -hmm. to adopt a child presumably that covers the cost right presumably but it it really doesn't (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around why is it so expensive in this I country? Know. I mean, is it is it all legal fees or what is the um, driving force? Some here? of it is medical bills, legal fees, staffing, insurance, licensing. Plus a lot. There's a lot that goes to it. And like I said, it's long-term commitments and relationships. We have to maintain these records for 100 years. We can't just shred them after seven like a medical office. So there's a lot of responsibility that comes with every adoption. And you have to keep paper records? Yep. <laughs> That's a lot of paper. Yes. So there's a lot to it. And like I said, the relationship is not over after a year. It goes on and on for a long time. Yeah. And we're involved for a long time. Talk to me about how Bethany's finances work. If somebody contributes, where, where does that money go? What, is it, what does it go towards? Well, there's a legal bills. Like in New York State, we have uh, an attorney for the birth mom, an attorney for the adoptive parents, an attorney for the agency, an attorney for the child. <laughs> Jeez. So every lot of single person has an attorney in New York State. Not every state is like that, but New York is very attorney heavy. Yeah. And they require that. Um, and there's court dates. There's not just one court date. There has to be at least two court dates. So a lot of these attorneys have to physically appear in court. Um, medical bills, not every birth mom is covered by insurance. So sometimes we do get $5,000 deductibles, $10,000 deductibles. Not everyone has Medicaid. Some people have really big copays. So there's a lot to it. There's medical, there's legal, there's social work, there's paperwork, there's ordering documents, certifying things. Yeah. And then there's diapers, rent. Taxis, Ubers, helping girls with maternity clothes, things that they need, uh -huh. lost and wages. So, so how does that work? I mean, if somebody has adopted a child, then in that case, are you financially committed to them? Or are you talking about while they're pregnant, you're trying Only to help while, them While they're pregnant, we're allowed to do certain things in New York. So we're okay. allowed to help with maternity clothes and rent and food if they need it. Is that pretty much 100% like... You, you are able always to find that, that money that they need? Or is there sometimes where you're like, well, I can only help a little bit with this need? Or how, how does that work? Or you just decide that on a case-by-case yeah, case basis? case-by-case basis. Yeah, definitely case-by-case -case basis. Some girls don't need rent. If they live with mom and dad and they don't pay any rent, then I really can't legally pay them rent. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, so they have to have the need. They have to be paying rent, and I would not give them the money. I would give it to, like, the landlord or something to make sure the money got there. Oh, I see. Yeah. Hmm. And they may have their power shut off. They may need heat in the middle of winter, and I've paid, you know, Niagara Mohawk bills and National Grid bills for the last three months so that the heat can go on so that the other kids in the home can have heat. Right, but you're, you know. you're, you're smart about it. You're not giving the money directly to nope. the person. I'll you're, give it to National Grid yeah. or Niagara okay. Mohawk. Okay, yep. wow. And we do gift cards. A lot of people need food help. Um, the benefits that they get maybe through the state is not enough to feed a family of three or four or five. So there's usually always a food need. So we help with gift certificates to like Price Chopper, Hannaford, Walmart, whatever they need. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's really like a ministry. It is. You know, it's it's not, it, it doesn't feel like an institution. It feels more like a ministry. Yeah, yeah I think it is. So how many years have you all in been doing adoption services? Probably about 26 total. 26? And 11 with Bethany. Looking back on it, are you happy that you went in this direction? Or yes. are you like totally oh. miserable? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Wait, I don't think you can answer I, that. I love my job. I do love my job. Yeah. At the end of the day, I feel like I accomplished something. So yeah, I love my job. Yeah. It's hard. It's not an easy job, but I love my job. It's got to be very emotional. And you probably see abuse too. 
where yeah, there's we definitely see unfortunately domestic violence and domestic violence reasons yeah. why the birth mom is not with the birth father anymore why is she alone and it's usually because there's a lot of contention between birth mom and birth father not always sometimes they do have a very happy couple that comes in together holding hands wanting to do adoption together sometimes they've been dating a long time or sometimes they're even married and they're doing it together. And I love those adoptions because I know what I'm dealing with and I have two people that are on board. I can get medical history from both sides. Those are really nice adoptions. And she has support, which is great. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. Most of them, I would say, are single and not with the current birth father. Yeah. 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 And that's one of the number one reasons is they know they will not be getting child support or this is going to be an uphill battle. They may not have physical support, babysitting support, financial support, emotional support long term. So that's one of the number one reasons probably for adoption placement is not having the father support. Do you see a lot of drug addiction? We do. Not every case has drug addiction, but I'm definitely seeing an uptick in marijuana use during pregnancy, opioid use during pregnancy, um, suboxone use during pregnancy. So I don't see too much like heroin but I do see the other drugs. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we have to find the right family that's open to taking a baby exposed to those drugs. And out of those 50 or so families we have, maybe only 10 will be okay with that case. Yeah. Yeah. So what's that like to care for a baby that does get born with a drug addiction or dependency? In the beginning, it's the hardest because that's when the withdrawals are. So I've definitely held babies in the nursery that are shaking and distressed and crying like really high-pitched crying sometimes in the beginning so it's sad it's really sad and it honestly makes me a little angry that a baby has to go through that yeah yeah do they give the baby like some sort of medication or a small dosage of the drug or something to wean the they baby used, off or? they used to give like little drops of methadone or little drops of something but nowadays i'm seeing that they're not doing that that they're just letting the baby go through withdrawals. So it depends on the hospital, too. The policies at every hospital are really different. And the hospital policies in in the states are really different. So adoption is actually really different in every state. There are a totally different set of laws in every state for adoption. Hmm. And the regulations are different at every hospital. So I've seen a lot of different approaches. Sometimes they give the baby painkillers. Sometimes it's little drops of methadone for a week or so. Yeah. If somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, wow, this seems like a really great career path or calling to get involved with, what would they do? They just go to the Bethany website and apply for jobs. Are there jobs or are you guys pretty buttoned down as far as staff goes? Um, In Albany, there is not, but I know we have job listings on our website all over the country. Okay. And they'll post like what they're looking for in every branch. There's a lot of different branches. So there's always some job postings available. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I have any more questions. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Just that adoption is a great option, and I wish people would think about it more, you know, and I hope that the word about Bethany gets out there and people know that we're here and that we're available. You inspired a question of me. That's okay. <laughs> I was just going to land the plane, but... That's okay. Why do you think so many people don't consider adoption? Or, you know, what what are the negative stigmas or whatever with adoption that that Um, make people not do it when you think they I will I have heard from birth moms very interesting perspectives over the years and different reasons and I would say a reason I hear a lot is I don't want anybody else raising my child and I don't want anybody else abusing my child so my answer to that is so is it better that your child be dead 
Um, so it's kind of this circular conversation I sometimes have with the general community or birth moms generally. I just could never do it. I hear that. I just could never place my child with somebody else. Uh, and I say, well, why not? I mean, there are some amazing families that have, will give your child amazing opportunities. How do you screen potential adopting parents? I mean, you, you they have go to, through a lot. They go through a lot, actually. You have to wash the bad ones out, or else you can't really. Yeah, it's about reputation too. Yeah. I don't want anybody abusing children. Right. So, yeah, but how do you know if somebody's going to abuse children? Yeah. I mean, well, it's hard to have a crystal ball, but we do have a child abuse background check system in New York State, and we have fingerprints. They have to get FBI fingerprinted and New York State fingerprinted. We have medical forms. We ask a lot of questions. We do home visits. We ask for references. So we do as much as we can, but we put them through a lot. We ask for tax returns. Do you reject yeah. a lot of them, or how does that work? We have rejected people before, but I would say the majority of people, if they're an axe murderer, are not going to apply to adopt. It's <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of self-screening there. Yeah, I, mean, um, do you, do you, I don't reject a lot. Honestly, people really come in with you know pretty good hearts with good intentions. and. Well, and you're, you probably have an intuition at this point with people, right? Yeah, I think because it's... Because you've been it's, involved I've been so around for a long time, so yeah, I think I kind of sense when something's a little off. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But we have to do our background checks and clearances, and honestly, if there's any child abuse at all, a person can't be approved legally. Um, and there's certain crimes that can't be approved. So there's, a, there's rules and regulations that New York State sets, not just Bethany sets, about who we can and cannot approve. It's not totally up to Bethany. There are a whole list of New York State regs. So if somebody had been arrested say for marijuana possession would that be like a deal breaker for depends adoption? on when it was was it last week <laughs> <laughs> or was it 20 years ago <laughs> you know a lot of those things depend on when was it i mean as far as the law goes is there that's not an absolute no no okay but it's, so certain, it's not great if it's like current crimes yeah certain things like others. crimes against children and violent crimes and right assaults those are much more concerning domestic violence but things like things some like let's say somebody did some Committed an act of vandalism when they were younger. No, that I mean, wouldn't that wouldn't dis, that wouldn't disqualify somebody. Stop, yeah, for, as far no. as New York State goes, we have to do what's called a safety assessment. So any any hit or an arrest that pops up, we have to address it, and we have to have a special meeting about it, and we have to ask detailed questions and actually get the report from the the court that handled it. Kind of like a disposition. Yeah, but I imagine violence, any kind of yeah, that's violence the most on concerning. the record. You're just like, mm -hmm. all right, sorry. That's more. That's the most concerning. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode. If you would like to know more about adopting foster care and other related services or would like to support Bethany Christian Services, you can visit them online at bethany.org. Pretty easy website. And uh, a lot of times if you do a just a search for the word adoption, they'll show up as number one on search engines as um, a sponsored link there. And I'm sure that costs a fair amount of money just to try to raise awareness for people in crisis. And this service is in the business of literally saving people's lives a lot of times, where a mother in crisis is going to choose between terminating the baby and giving the baby up for adoption. Those are obviously not the only two choices, but a lot of times that's what it comes down to. And Bethany is really on the front lines of giving that other option for people and making that as easy as possible. Also, I have a link in the show notes for this episode if you want to contact Renee Rogowski directly at the Albany branch here in Latham, New York of Bethany. 
And you can get that in the show notes or log on to restitudio.org and find episode 314, Adopting with Bethany Christian Services, and you'll be able to find it that way. Also, you may be interested in listening to interview 38, which was called Advocating for the Unborn, an interview I did with Kirk Walden, who since 1991 has worked in pregnancy help centers in Alabama and other states, now Tennessee, and he is a fundraising specialist for Heartbeat, and he talks a lot about, over the last number of decades, what he's seen in the fight for unborn children. So uh, take a look at that if you're interested. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll catch you next week, and remember, the truth has nothing to fear.